Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Welcome back to Fast Break Friday, presented by AL81. Crisp, clean, L.A. Emanating from the ESPN Louisville studios and heard throughout the Commonwealth on the PNB Network. Fast Break Friday, thanks for being with us. Again, nobody's trying to dance on anybody's grave or circle the vultures or pick whatever unpleasant cliche you want about the future of Kenny Payne and this program. But um, I've been on very much high on Nate Oates because I thought, really, that of uh, the people out there, I think you, I think he might be persuaded to leave Alabama because while it's a very good job and they have a lot of money there, they don't have the same kind of basketball commitment that they do here. I mean, it, it's, his building is, while it's big, is kind of just a glorified Indiana high school gym on steroids. It really is. It seats like 12,000, but there's nothing special about it. And you're always going to be, I always have, you know, tongue in cheek say he's number five on the priority list. There's football, spring football, uh, baseball and gymnastics. And then he comes and in. Football and, so, and football recruiting. And football recruiting is probably, yeah. So you know, I think that he don't but, forget about the Saban statue too. Yeah, well, I, listen, I don't, I don't begrudge him any of the success he's had. Now that we're talking to people because I, I football coaches tend to be a little too arrogant for my taste. Having said that, God bless Jeff Brom is the exception that proves the rule. He is just a joy. We're so they're so lucky to have him here. He is the dude can coach and he's competitive and he knows how to win and he's also a hell of a guy. He really is. I got to tip my hat to the. He Brom makes it a family. point to come to. Virtually, if not every game, I don't know if he's been to every game, but it seems like I've seen him at every game. He's been in a lot, and he's doing that on purpose. He wants to show his support for Kenny. He he has good uh, communication with Kenny. They they talk, and and he wants him to succeed. He wants he wants everybody to succeed. He wants football. He he went to school here. He grew up here. He wants everything to be successful here. And and Jeff, while his primary job is as football coach, he's going to do anything he can do to help any other program as well. He's good people, as they say, so we're happy for him. But um, having said that, somebody mentioned a name today. And so what happened to, you know, Scott Drew? You seem to be talking to me now. Because last year I talked about how much I like Scott Drew. And my point behind not, not kind of, you know, shifting my focus to Nate is because I just didn't think you're going to be able to pry drew out they just built him a new building he's won the national championship there and i do think and i've said this 
I really do think he likes the the Christian aspect of the school. It's it's very much front and center, and he's, he embraces that, which is you know certainly fine. Um, and and so that's why. But if they somehow now having said somebody said to me, well, I think his buyout is less than Nate Oates's. I don't know what his buyout. But I never thought about that. I mean, if you could get Scott True, if you can rebuild a program, and I'm I'm not being flip when I say this that is in the throes of the previous coach being actively involved in a murder. <laughs> yes. You can rebuild anything. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what he did. So, I, I, I'm more power to you if you pry that guy loose. He's, he, and he's a pleasure to deal with, and they're fun to watch, and he knows how to recruit. Um, no, he does a hell of a job. So, yeah, they'll be they'll – be, if, the jo- if the job opens, there will be – I don't – these people that seem to worry that who would take this job, you're not, you're not taking it for a year. I mean, you're, you're taking it to build a program. I mean, I don't, I don't think they'll if, – if a guy – unless a guy, like, is hell-bent to not leave, he's just, I'm happy, I'm not going anywhere. But it's not like, well, I would think it'll leave, but I wouldn't go there. That, you, that's crazy. I know we're all heartbroken at how the depths to which the program is sunk, but that is not going to keep people from coming. Trust you me. mentioned something a minute ago that – has always stood out to me, and that is, well, let's let's back up a little bit. I, I, I've stated to a number of, before, almost for every game, we chat with the other announcers. How's things going? What do you need? Can I help you with? You know, right. They'll ask me, how's it been? Right. And and I'll say, well, 10,000 people at a Louisville game, eight to 10,000 people at a Louisville game is not the standard that Louisville is accustomed to. But to put it in perspective, I don't think there's another school in the country they could go through what Louisville has been through, not just this year, last year, or the past five years or so, that would still be drawing eight to 10,000 people to their games. They'd be getting one or 2,000. Boston College, you counted them. I was did. There, did it get to 1,000? I, I was probably well, – I can only see one side, obviously. I couldn't yeah. see behind us. But, I mean, we did the math. I saw four sections of the bleachers, and they were uh, – four sections of the – Arena, and I think there were. Well, I did the math. What did we say? It was. I think it was two hundred and fifty people in there. Anyway, yeah. my, my my point being that you can go to all these other schools. Alabama's having a a, a great run right now under Nate Oates. Uh, Auburn under Bruce, Bruce Pearl. Just triggered another thought. Don't let me forget. Uh, anyway, none of them have facilities anywhere close to match what Louisville has here, and the history, the passion that this place has. So it's still an attractive place. Um, no, I think if, I, if they decide to make a change, I don't think they'll have any problem no, they won't. finding a, a quality coach, whether it be their number one choice. I have no idea who that would be. Uh, and there are a lot of factors that go into that. But uh, this, this city, this university, this athletic program, and most notably, the basketball environment is, is second to none. No, it it's, really is. it still is. That hasn't gone away. And, and, in fairness, before anybody texts us, there's not 8,000 people in the building. There's barely I think there have been 4, on several games. I, I mean, if you do the ticket scans, you've seen those numbers. They're like 4,000. You guys were just talking about the BC game. Yeah. They claim that there was thirty four hundred people. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not begrudging them that because every school does the same thing. You count your season ticket holders and all that stuff, and you know the guys selling up popcorn and everything like that. I think I I don't count the people, Um, but I think there's been a a pretty solid five five thousand people. people. He doesn't count the the games, Uh, and and a few that have been more. But but. I will say this now, not to talk out of both sides of my mouth. Paul Biancardi, who came and did that game that they won here, that Louisville won here. I guess they did the Georgia Tech game. Oh, Georgia. Yeah, I think it was your Georgia Tech. He texted me right after it was over. He said, that place is unbelievable. He said, to go through what your program's gone through in the last few years and to have that 
big and that loud and enthusiastic mm-hmm. a crowd. He said, nah, I, he said that it is a, an amazing place. And he wasn't kissing up to me. He didn't have any reason to suck up to, to me or, or Paul or anybody, really. He was just giving his observation. So your point is well taken. And I do tip my hat to the people who are coming. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not coming and putting bags over their heads or doing that kind of stuff. They're cheering. They're, they're, trying, they're, they're trying, trying to help them get They're trying to find something to cheer for. I just feel bad sometimes. I look at them and I see them looking at each other like, when are we going to cheer? That was a really good time out. Yay. I mean, there's nothing to cheer but for. But speaking of, of tradition and passion, I thought Bruce Pearl, what he said after they lost to Kentucky. Did you see that where no. he talked about, oh, yeah, he blasted the Auburn fans. Wow. For, for saying that Auburn is a blue blood. He said, we're not a blue blood. That's a blue blood. Talking about Kentucky. We will never be close to that program, is what he said. I'm surprised he didn't get more backlash. Wow, I, mean, I did out, not. Well, he I came never. out really strongly about that. Well, then he maybe he's lobbying to come <laughs> <No>, here. Maybe. <laughs> well, that's maybe. one of the reason he's a guy that you consider on your list, maybe. But that's... Because Louisville's still in the business. I'm just telling you, for all that you're disgusted at what's going on here, and people are... You know, Paul talks about it. He talks to the other announcers. It's not like they don't acknowledge it. They know it's been awful. But they still – it's kind of like when Matt Darty, unfortunately, it all fell apart for him mm-hmm. in Carolina. And they won 12 games that year. Yeah. The fact of the matter is we all knew, wow, that was a really bad year. But there's nobody who thought, well, Carolina's not a blue blood anymore. That was still – and that's how people – And by the, the way, all, all those announcers that I talked to before the games who have some empathy and sympathy for me all say – and they're not just being nice to me. This is the league. They say – this league needs Louisville to be good. Yeah. The, the, it's sad to come here and see what's happening. We need you guys to be good. Well, because they are a marquee program. Yeah. It's just like in baseball, you need the Yankees and Dodgers to be good. Yeah. And, and there are their programs in basketball, in the NBA, and the NFL. And so, yeah, it, it's, it hasn't lost its cachet in terms of its reputation. It's lost its cachet in terms of its achievements for the last few years, which are almost, and we just talked about, historically bad. There had been 120 losses season in the history of the program up till now going to be these last two so that is uh, very different people are taking you to task for your eight to ten thousand i'm just telling you well okay i was throwing out numbers so okay, i said that like it, it wasn't nasty but he said the actual <laughs> attendance eight to ten thousand he said the actual attendance numbers would beg to differ and you I, heard what he I, said though he's not counting people <laughs> well, that's how he is. Sometimes I'm he doesn't volume. count me. I'm judging by volume, and, and my <laughs> headphone volume sounds like 8 to 10. Maybe uh, I need to turn my volume down. It sounds like 4 to 5. Of all the candidates named I've heard all over Sports Talk Radio, not one is black. You're wrong, Steve. We've talked about at least a couple that I know of. Uh, Anthony Grant. I think mm-hmm. he's African American, if I'm not mistaken, right? At, at Dayton, and uh, he does a hell of a job. I would be, I would, uh, you know, certainly think that he's a guy that should be uh, on the list. And and uh, I've the, heard and uh, the, the guy South, Tang. I've heard Jerome, Jerome Tang, Tang and the guy at South Carolina, who's a hell of a coach, Lamont Paris. Lamont Paris. And we yeah. talked about Shaka a few times. And Shaka came up earlier, and that that's certainly. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that's right, Steve. Uh, but I mean, if you want to know the truth, though, uh, I would take. Um, I would take uh, Scott Drew and, and Nate Oates over anybody on that list. I, that's how much respect I have for those guys. And that's not a slap at Tang or Paris or any of those guys. They're terrific coaches. But uh, um, I just think those guys are really uh, – I mean, they're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Scott Drew's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know. But I'm telling you, you, you do if, – if you really dig deep in the weeds. Now, the, the, the guy at um, Washington State, and I know that this is – he's just really – turned out a good year this year. I'm really going to back and see what he's done. But 
I'm not I, familiar with him. I at would all. think that's a guy that is kind of for like this is going to sound awful, but that's like low hanging fruit, right? Why the hell would he want to stay there? <laughs> I mean, am I right? I mean, why would he want to stay? Kyle Smith is his name. He is uh, a, a guy that is in a league that has no league right now. I mean, he's a man without a country, <laughs> and 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 he's doing a hell of a job. Um, I, but I but again, I only know what he's done recently because I don't f- follow uh, the pack. Two very closely. We don't have a lot of Pac-12 games on ESPN Radio. In fact, the one I have tomorrow is the only one we have all year. He's an East Coast guy, I guess. He's from Hamilton College. Um, but where was he before this? Um, but I mean, I, maybe again, this is so sounds so you know, arrogant, and I don't want it to sound arrogant. If you can win twenty-one games in Washington State. <laughs> Right? I mean, you got to get attention. You got to get but some think attention. Again, we talked about this, I think, last week. Um, oh, Gates, is that his name? The Missouri coach? Yes. He was all the rage That's last true. year. Oh, man, look what he did in one true. year. Well, what are they doing this year? They're awful. Uh, I, I know nothing about him or the circumstances. All I know is one loss record, and they're terrible this year. So, was he a one year wonder? Have things gone off the rails this year for some. Uh, explainable reason I don't know but it just shows you how quickly people get caught up in a guy when he has a good run and then all of a sudden Kyle Smith is, the he's a guy and the reason I bring him up is you, it's it's like you're applying to colleges and I, I don't mean this is a left-handed compliment to the guy you need your safety school you need a guy that you got to think you know if for whatever reason I can't imagine all these other people if you could put the finances together and get them you wouldn't get one of them but if you didn't Kyle Smith's a guy he was the head coach of Columbia in the Ivy League for five years. He was the head coach at San Francisco. That's where he built his reputation. San Francisco wasn't very good. Uh, and, and that, you know, they are a glory team from 60 years ago, mm-hmm. Bill Russell, Casey Jones. Right. But they were not very good. And then he went to Washington State and in 2019. He's won 254 games. He's 254 and 189. I he, thought this was his first year. I didn't realize he'd been there a no, while. No, he's been there for a while. And his head coaching record is, I mean, Columbia is not exactly an easy place to get it done. He won 21 games in 2014. He was 21-13, third in the Ivy League. Then he got the San Francisco job in 2016. Three years in San Francisco, won 20 games every year. 2013, 22-17, 21-10. And And that's that West Coast Conference, that league that, you know, is the Gonzaga-St. Mary's League. He was the assistant at St. Mary's. Then he went to Washington State. He he was 16-16, 14-13 in the COVID year. 22-15, 17-17. This year he's 21-6. I mean, he's win. He's won every place he's been. The guy just wins. So uh, I would certainly have a visit with him. Uh, and he's a guy that I. He's, it takes after my own heart. He's the guy that we had um, Sean uh, uh, Farnham on our show, and he referred to him as he plays nerd ball <laughs> because he's an anal- He plays. He's so into analytics. Mm. I like that. So we can have post game <laughs> interviews and we can talk about. You know, forty two percent of the time the ball went to the right corner. You know, the guy would drive baseline. That's impressive. So uh, it's very good. He won the CIT championship at Columbia. So uh, there you go. That's the that's the tournament below the NIT. Yeah, yeah. That just gives you a chance to get extra games and good for them. Uh, anyway, who's Todd Golden? Who is that? Do I know? Who is that? I don't know who that is. I have to go look that up. I don't know who Todd Golden is. Do you is, know who that is? What's the, what's the? I look. Context? I just we've been talking about coaches and the oh, guy he's just a, he's oh, a coach. That's his whole text. It says Todd Golden. Uh, he's the. Florida Gators head coach. Oh my God! Yeah, he's done a hell of a job. But God, I'd forgotten he was there. I'd forgotten they made they made a coaching change. Where'd he come from? He was San Francisco. 
Yeah, he's another, another San, Francisco. San Francisco guy. Well, maybe maybe we need to look at San Francisco for well, the next. You know, coach. it's funny though. <laughs> no, I was thinking about this. Who who came from? I think I got this right, didn't you? Who came from Washington State? That's done a pretty good job. Uh, Tony Bennett. That's what I'm saying. You <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, we got we we just dismissed that whole part of the country all the time, and those guys seemingly go on and do pretty well for himself. That's right. This guy was at San Francisco. Todd Gold. Thank you, Texter, for calling that to my attention. I did not. I completely shot an airball on that. He was uh, three years uh, the assistant at San Francisco, then elevated to the head coaching. Which, by the way, speaks to something. This guy had never been a head coach before. He went to San Francisco, and in three years there, he was like seventy-five and forty or something. Well, I mean, but, but Den- what, Denny Crum hadn't been a head coach. Either. Yes, there's uh, there, there's a lot of layers to that. But and, and it, yeah, that's true. It's just uh, I was going to say in his case, I think it's it's better when you promote within if you're an assistant. But Denny was not the assistant here. He just came in from California and yep. said, "I'm going to win national championships." He was assistant to a pretty good coach. Who was that guy? I can't remember. Uh, Woody? Woody somebody? (laughs) Oh, man. The the bad part about this is, and I've said this before, it's like getting, back in the old days when you shopped this way, it's like getting the the Spiegel catalog delivered to your house. (laughs) And you open it up and you go, ooh, let's go see what we got in terms of coaches here. Let's see if we want to get a West Coast guy. Or here's an interesting section on Midwest uh, mid-majors. You know, that's kind of what you do. And, you know, it's this, this one, though, he better get right. I mean, Josh has got to get if it is, and I, I just I don't see how it can't be though. I mean, and we, I really do. I think we're both sincere in how much we like Kenny. I don't think we're putting on a brave face or a nice face, but I don't see how, from a business standpoint, they can. They'll be rioting in the streets if they bring him back. I don't um, know the numbers precisely enough to figure this out. I'm just throwing it out there. What what's the economics? Of playing in an empty building next year versus the economics of a, a buyout. buyout, and then probably having to buy out a contract to get a guy to come here. Yeah. So no, I think that's true. I mean, I I said I was trying to, as always, and I don't know. I, Kenny, I'm sure has supporters even with everything that's gone on, and he should in terms of what a good guy he is. And again, I never run away from the 600 pound grill in the room. I mean, he's a he's a very very important hire for the African American community who felt somewhat underrepresented in terms of hiring, especially in a sport where they had such a presence in basketball. And so all that's true and legit, and I'm not minimizing any of it. But if you're going to say, we're going to give him another year, you basically, don't you have to just kind of sit in that room and say, okay, look, do we have enough money to run the program right now? What's it going to cost us? And here's the money. And assuming you're going to make nothing. I mean, that's what you got to look at. What does it cost to open a door? What does it cost to travel? What does it cost for hotels? What is it going to cost in scholarships? And can we cover all that if we can? And then we can just live with the fact that you're going to have some really, really cranky people um, because you are. Uh, I, and you have to look at it and say, we're not going to assume we're going to sell very many season tickets. I don't think. Do you? I mean, do you think people would be? I, I've Not initially, no. But... But if you think, what, hey, what if he starts winning and exactly. you know, Christmas what, comes, people... I mean, I've for, for my whole life, I've been a big fan of giving guys time yes. to get ingrained, get their system, get their players, so on and so on. But unfortunately, that time is in the past because of the transfer portal, 
uh, NIL, all those things, it, there, there is reason to believe that a turnaround can come very quickly. And that's why people, I think, have been so harsh on the criticism that Louisville has not been better in these two years. But if they were to keep Kenny around, I would be pulling for him with yeah. everything I got. Sure, I, nice, I, sure. would, I would love to see it, and, and, and maybe some things would start to click, and, and it could grow. But you're right. It would be a rough off season uh, all this time leading up to next year where I think season tickets would be slow. I think uh, enthusiasm would be low. But if that were the case, the, the, the university would have to make a decision. This is what we're going to do. We're going to live with it. And uh, – and with not and, and hope, and not just blind hope, there would have to be a reason they see that this can work, or at least let's give it one more year just to make sure we've done everything we can do to make it work. I, I always I give credit because so rarely do they do this. Administrators, C.M. Newton, who I had great respect for, I heard him lecture. He was the head of the um, whatever the NABC for the coaches. He was this person the year that I was coaching at one of the years I was coaching at Division One. It's like we had our big annual meeting. It's three hundred and twenty guys in a room. And he spoke to the group and I just I was like, this man is he was talking about at that time what he thought the real perils that were facing the sport would be. It's ironic, but he did he said betting, sports betting, now it's legalized. But he said at that time you've really got to be diligent in your program. You don't realize how easy it would it is for that to undermine everything. And and he talked about other challenges that the sport was facing and I was like, This guy's on top of it, man. Um and when he was the AD of Kentucky, I'll never forget this because um, what was the guy's name who played? Uh, Bill Curry. Did not have great success there. But Bill is, if anybody who knows him, he's come on my show all the time when he got out of coaching. He was an analyst. And he's just he's a rock-solid human being. And, again, nobody – I'm not suggesting you should be yelling at fans or – but he came out mm-hmm. and said – do you remember this? I, yes, because I, I was – I think you're right, but – I was thinking it was Tubby Smith. That, no, it was, it was Bill was, Curry. You're right, it was Curry. And he came I know out exactly what you're going to say. And said, "Listen, if you this is our guy, <laughs> and he's a good man, and he's working hard, and I'm in charge of this department. This is it, my decision. If you don't like it, if, go take a hike. Don't t- take <laughs> your fifty dollar donation. That was the thing. Because yeah. be, that's the truth. The yeah. people who you screaming the most are usually the, the you know the rank and file mm-hmm. fifty writing a fifty dollar check. He was saying, if you don't like it, then yeah, I'm sorry. That's my decision. That's it. I was like." You tell them that a baby. Um, so I thought that was, and, good. and that would you know wouldn't have to be stated that harshly, perhaps, but that would have to be sort of the the direction and opinion of, of Josh and whoever else is involved in making the decision. I'm not sure Josh is on an island out there. I think he has people he has to bounce things off of, and I mean, uh, the president of the university. If she wants to have a say, she's entitled to. The athletic department is a part under in her this school still. Yes, it a is part of the university. Absolutely. So I, I'm just saying that you know whether Josh has to get approval from others, I'm not certain. Um, but if the decision comes, we're going to keep this guy. Then they're just going to have to say, okay, we're going to take our lumps. This is the choice we've made. Here is faulty logic, Texter. God bless you. Don't get mad at me. We're losing one million dollars a game conservatively. So $20 million a year, he's not coming back. Where'd Who's you, losing a million dollars? That's right. First of all, where'd you get that number? Secondly, your assumption by when you do this premise is that if you say he's gone, now all of a sudden you're going to be making a million dollars a game. I mean, I don't I, – that, that whole sentence doesn't make any sense. Where'd you come up with that number, that they make a million dollars a game? And even if it were true, your assumption is that – 
you know, once we fired him, all of a sudden they're going to have a million dollars in income every game immediately. <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. So, um, you know, and and uh, but you're I mean, you're right in the sense that you have to weigh the business side of it. You got to pay a buyout. You'd have to pay a buyout of a guy you want to hire. So all those things are true. But uh, and nobody's suggesting. Guy says Notre Dame beat Virginia by twenty at home. We lost to Virginia by twenty at home. All you need to know. There's a million ways you can point out what a bad year they're having. We we get that. Nobody's. You don't have to be persuaded to, to recognize it's been a really really rough uh, two years. Um, let's see what this one says. Texter. We get a lot of texts. Oh, this is actually interesting in a way. Not because they should be coaches here, but how many really good coaches you don't really talk about? Uh, Grant McCaslin at Texas Tech is a guy that comes to mind. Uh, Steve uh, Lutz at Western Kentucky. As, uh, had Lutz, a, actually. Does he say Lutz? Yeah, oh, I'm Lutz. thinking of Bobby Lutz, the yeah, guy who right, used to yeah. coach. That's who I was thinking of. Yes, it is Steve Lutz. Thank you for that. Um, there's a bunch of... of uh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. there there are many great coaches who, who started at undistinguished programs that it's it's finding the diamond in the rough. I mean, how, how do you really know? And when you're a high-profile school, can you take that gamble as opposed to going with an established achiever? Before we get to break, I'll pick your brain on this because Texter brings it up as a good point. We had Eric Crawford on the show yesterday, and, and I don't know what the answer is to this. He just posed the question. And I'll read what the Texter says, who does a pretty good job summing it up. He says, I hear what you're saying, Bob, about can Louisville afford to keep Kenny version versus buying him out. But I think probably the most important piece is the one Eric Crawford wrote about yesterday, and that is this is no longer just about the University of Louisville. It's about that downtown area and the city and how they simply can't afford to keep things going as they are and keep Kenny Payne any longer because they are not playing in a campus, the university-owned arena on their campus it is a city-owned facility, and there's a lot of promises that came about with what they expected as the usual crowds to come down there. I don't know that you can run your program based on that, but does that factor in in your mind? It, it does because of the unique environment of Louisville basketball being such a part of the city as well as the university. But is it the university's responsibility to make every business in Louisville successful? No. So I understand if you're a proprietor of the Troll Pub or whatever, I, I saw a story specifically citing how much revenue they've lost. And I hate it for them, and I'm sorry for them, but I don't know that it's the university's responsibility for their business to succeed. Certainly they want to. But they can't make all their decisions based on, oh, man. The, What's it going to do for downtown yeah. and the businesses and everything? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, and listen, I read that column by Eric. Too, it was really well written. Oh, I, I love Eric. He's, he is so great at putting things in perspective and with with a little bit of humor when he put the Star Wars references yes. in there. Yeah. <laughs> everything. They were, and when he got a little sidetracked, and then he <laughs> yeah, said, yes. yes, to get back to it. Yeah, that was funny. Well, you got you to gotta will the guy to miss the shot. Oh, is Obi-Wan Kenobi here? Gonna... Thank <laughs> <laughs> so, you. He doesn't help himself in the pressers. He really doesn't, unfortunately. It's just not, you know, some guys are great in a press conference, and some guys are pretty not so good, and some guys are in the middle. And he, he just, he, he um, you know, he's not glib in there, and he's not cracking jokes. And I guess right now it's not the time to be cracking no, jokes. But I, I will counter that, and, and not to promote the show or myself i'm just telling under the circumstance when we are sitting at roosters or even in his office we do some of the shows from from his office 
and we're just chatting. He's extremely engaging and, to me, interesting and fun to listen to and, and, and gives you answers. He doesn't dodge the questions. Uh, he addresses things. But but there is something about in a press conference setting, I don't think Kenny is really totally at ease and, no. and isn't sure what is the proper thing to, well, to say. I'm sure he's at ease. Uh, but, but he, Having to answer a lot of questions about losing games, yeah. too. That's tough. But I, I'll, I will tell you this. I, you know, every... Every week I go into the show thinking, oh, my God, Kenny, i got to sit here and talk for an hour. What are we going to talk about? And it's never a problem. We just sit down and start talking. And he's yeah, he's, a play. he's he's an interesting guy. Yeah. And, and as I said, he does he talks basketball. He knows, he knows basketball. Oh, no, uh, there's no doubt but, about but that. The, 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 for some reason, the coaching part of it hasn't worked out well so far. Well, I mean, I asked, you know, I asked him as un- uncomfortable a question as you probably could ask after the last game in our postgame press conference. And he didn't make me feel uncomfortable at all he just gave yeah. me a very thoughtful yeah. level-headed answer and i you're right i mean he's he's a he's a gentleman he's just a he's a he's a quality person who's very comfortable in his skin and in his faith and that counts for something he's he's raised a, a fine young man san is a very nice kid if you've had a chance uh-huh. to speak with him very respectful can't get a damn jump shot to go in but <laughs> oh he's had gosh. the worst look he's had oh at least gosh. five shots i can remember off the top of my yeah. head that have been three quarters of the way down and they bounce out and, and your, your question to kenny and, and the reason i actually kind of explained that we're reluctant to ask this question is because you could ask it after every game and you just want to keep bombarding this question but finally because it hadn't been asked by either of us anyway bob did ask kenny after the game does he feel is he worried about his job uh and he really just kind of gave you the the matter of fact no i can't worry about that i'm worried about winning the day uh i'm sure he's aware (laughs) that there's a, a lot of people who don't want to see him back but he he can't coach with that in mind he just keeps his mind on the business at hand i'm gonna try and coach this team today i'm gonna try to coach this team tomorrow and when it's all over we'll, we'll find out where we are but he doesn't sit at home wringing his hands thinking oh my gosh if i win this if i don't win this game i'm gonna get fired but at some point you, you do have to sort of ask him the question how are you handling all this well because you and i were talking we get asked this a lot and as i said to him we're not his spokesperson so i don't want to you know, speculate one way or another. Texas, oh come on, you know full well he's not going to be back next year. That's not what we're doing here. We're not we're not playing you know the speculation game. Other than to say, if he were to go, who the coaches that you know would be on the list and stuff like that. But we're not speculating. But what? But here's what the reason it came up is because they don't really. It doesn't sound to me like, and I don't follow recruiting that closely, so maybe I'm a thousand percent wrong. It doesn't sound like they're really very active on the recruiting scene. So I was like wondering, do you think in his heart of hearts, he says, well, I'm not going to be back anyway. And so they're not recruiting as hard as they could. But A, a texter just called me and a texted, texted us rather and said, you know, he's probably smart enough to know if they're going, if he's back, if he were to come back, they're going to have to just pound the transfer portal yeah. and so he's not really, he has said that and he's not really looking at high school recruits so that's probably maybe as as true as anything i guess i think so and, and i don't know i i'm I, there's still so much gray area in, in recruiting which you're not supposed to do transfers or at least getting things lined up here's 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 obviously football has played this game to the hilt of of knowing who's out there, who might be looking to leave, who would fit into your program, and they've put together two top notch uh, transfer classes. 
I'm assuming, at least to some extent, basketball is doing that. I don't know how you go about doing that, really. you got to have a lot of information pipelines, and, and yeah. I assume they have some targets in mind right. that they're going to go after, and, and that's what what they're going to have to do. The, the difference is Louisville's transfers, when you think about them, they brought in this year. I mean, Sky and Trey have both been very good at times, a little inconsistent. Both have battled injuries, but they've been pretty good. But they haven't gotten the grad transfers, the experienced guys to come in and really add some maturity to your program. Louisville, through the transfers, is still one of the youngest teams in the country. So, the, And the freshmen have been good, maybe not NBA first-round draft pick, good, but we've seen good play from Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, <clears throat> Tyler, again, on a very inconsistent basis, which is normally the case for freshmen. So I think they've done okay, but they're going to have to do better. Well, and if they were, you know, and I put this in air quotes, a normal program, the freshmen they brought in would be impressive. I mean, yeah. Curtis, I think, down the road is going to be a player. Tyler has moments of exciting brilliance and you know and so you say they might have a chance to really um but they just don't have the other components in place where those guys could be impactful freshmen they've had to step up and be you know really core players Mm -hmm. and that's asking a lot i'm not sure they're quite at that stage i think that's probably a large reason why they've been inconsistent because they're probably trying to be asked to do more than they should at this point i agree all right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. There's still texts coming in, and uh, I'm sorry. For, we're not to get to all of them. We'll get to as many as we can. Uh, the big-headed producer must be waiting tonight because he's dressed like a waiter. Yeah, when, when he's when he's got the, the – See the, me. The, Lulu on Market, baby. Have you ever been down there, by the way? The what? Lulu on Market. No. It's a, it's a restaurant where he work, works he works as a waiter, and uh, it's really nice. You know, I, I feel bad. Somebody's going to get mad at me. Maybe your boss will get mad at me. There's just something about that. Like, the text just came in and said, it's not fair to blame Louisville. And I get this. I'll be politically tinged, probably, if you read between the lines. But he says, it's not really fair to blame Louisville for the problems downtown. People don't feel safe going downtown. They said that when they built that building. I had a friend saying, well, I'm never going to go to downtown. And then they were drawing 20,000 people. Yeah. So I don't, I don't buy that. But my point is... The perception is still in some people's minds that and I and so this is not about not being safe. It's just I've been to other parts of other cities where there's a kind of resurgence in a certain part of town and there's a feeling it just looks bright and that part of town doesn't look bright to me. And don't give me any crap. You're talking about around the arena? No, down by where where he is in New Loop. They're they're older buildings, and that's great. I love that. I love those kinds of things. And when you go inside his restaurant, it's beautiful. It's fine. But there's just no sense of excitement on the outside. I don't know how to describe it. If you've been to... um, The Cuban place lights up the place, lights up the area. Yes, that's a good example. Well, that's the exception that proves the rule. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not fair. I'm unfair comparing it to other old cities, to Nashville's and Indianapolis's and even Milwaukee's, for goodness sake. They just seemingly have a certain pop at in certain parts that are kind of on the upswing. Now, somebody might say to me, well, I mean, in fairness, if you go to Bardstown Road, there's some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those places, they are, they're lit up and you can do the, you know, the, <laughs> And lit up in more ways than one. I mean, so, uh, you know, but, it, but, uh, so maybe it's not fair, but I just, I want, I can't help it. I love cities and I just want that city to, and, you know, that part of the city to just have that kind of pop. 
to it. I think it has potential, and like, but am I wrong? Am I over? Am I being too? No, I see. I see what you're saying. I wish it had uh, some some things to kind of brighten it up a little bit. That's what I mean. But um, I mean, we have a really nice like light outside of our you know our yeah, place. Yeah, that's is pretty actually well pretty lit. cool. The thing where people can take pictures in front of. That's pretty cool. That's right. There's a photo opportunity place, right? Yeah, yeah. there's a photo op place in front. We have a beautiful mural on the side that's lit up. Um, Just Nulu is relatively dark. There's a lot of neon, but there's not a a lot of, that's the word I'm looking for here, bright. It still kind of has a dark feel to it. I don't know if they're doing that on purpose, like it's supposed to be chic. But um, yeah, it's it's not one of the brighter. Doesn't have it doesn't have a downtowny feel to it. No, that's yes, well said, my friend. But having said that, check out his restaurant. It's real the food's really good. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. very very good. Oh, All right, you're not buttoned up anymore. You undid the top button just now. Yeah, you know, but, so he's, but, now but, he's in his radio. Exactly. <laughs> <He's, laughs> radio. Just for Change radio. clothes for radio. Exactly. Get casual for it. Take your pants off. Yeah, that's how it rolls here. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. It's a Festberg Friday presented by Ale Eight Kentucky's original ginger soft drink since 1926 stay with us taking care of your family isn't always easy so we make sure getting care when you need it is with baptist health urgent and virtual care we bring you more options and greater convenience too with video visits available 24 7 and online check-in through my chart for in-person visits to check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Into a hard screen, bobbles the dribble, Hancock goes after it, can't get it. Blackshear does, gives to Siva, lobs it, and a slam power dunk by Harold. And just like that, Louisville has the lead. Welcome back to Fast Break Friday, presented by AL81. LA, the soft drink of tomorrow. LA, a new kind of taste. LA, the soft drink of tomorrow. LA, it's from another place. Crisp, clean, LA. Emanating from the ESPN Louisville studios and heard throughout the Commonwealth on the PNV network. The problem is when the years as bad as these last two have been <laughs> it's almost like a cottage industry to try to find unique facts of wow just how bad it's been and so this is for the haters now kelly dickey is far from a hater but this is a pretty whoa kind of stat he can find them louisville's 22 point loss to notre dame who was 9 and 16 entering the game was the cards <laughs> Largest margin of defeat at home to a team with a losing record since they lost 62-37 to to Berea on December 20th, 1943 at Mail Gym. <laughs> <laughs> Berea was 1-2 and two going mm. into that game. So um, there you go. Wow. Uh, you know what, what's, what's bad in a way? And I don't think it'll influence a person if the job opens up to come or not to come. They are pretty. You could you could find a place for Curtis Williams. You could find a place for Tyler. Those freshmen, they are they're good. Pl- I I love uh, Glenn. I think I really mm-hmm. do. I really. This has been part of the difficulty I've had in in figuring out what the problem is because individually, I think they're pretty good. But do they all leave if Kenny leaves? 
and then you're back to absolute yeah, square one again. I mean, I, who can predict my we've we've talked this before. I mean, we don't hang out in the locker room with them. We don't hang out in the dorm with them. Oh, I do. But well, you'll have to fill me in. <laughs> but from what I see, I do attend a good number of practices. We travel and the like. I don't see guys who walk around sulking and seem to be miserable. That's true. They they seem to like playing for Kenny. Hell, we got guys that we throw off the team and they we can they still can't <laughs> yeah, get rid of them. That's right. Yeah. So, I don't know if a coaching change would how the guys that's going to be an individual uh, a decision or or not a coaching change, you know. If you don't change coaches, will some guys say I've had enough, I'm leaving. I, I don't know and I don't know how any of us would know. That's just something they're going to have to to decide. But in this, in, in these volatile days, I, I would think either way, we're probably not going to see everybody on this team back next year. No, you're right. Even if Kenny were to stay, I, I agree with you. I don't know. It's wild. I do have to bring this up because Nick, we're we're an hour and forty minutes in the show. We really haven't talked food at all, and there's two quick food related topics I got to bring up. One, uh, we do we we got to talk about that. Well, wait, we, we, Paul and I have to make our picks, so we can't spend too much time. I'm spending. Um, this is a one sentence. Thing. Okay. Northeastern University yeah. is currently beating the, the Boston Red Sox 1-0 oh. in the second inning. <laughs> yeah, they're playing spring training games oh, already. Oh. <laughs> Go get them, Northeastern. All right, here's the food thing. Uh, and, and I am got to admit I'm on board with the, the pub sub. Texas says zero, and, and he puts in capital letters, and I mean zero parking spaces available at Publix the other day. Think about that. When's the last time you went to a grocery store that had mm. the entire parking lot? We went, Darlene and I, two Fridays ago, and it was like a date night for people. Because, you know, you can get wine and beer. You can get a beer and put it in your cart while you drive around, while you go around the car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the pub sub is unbelievable. I've heard it. We, we go to uh, New Smyrna Beach, Florida, frequently. We have a place oh, there. Oh, there's a Publix there, right? Yeah, there's actually two of them. Oh. Um, Do you get the sandwiches? But, but I don't – I mean, we go – I don't hang out at grocery stores. Oh, I don't know. We shop. He doesn't hang out in locker rooms. He doesn't hang out in grocery stores. The man has no social life. Uh, we go to the grocery and shop, but I don't really. Oh. And I've always heard the subs are good. Oh, yeah. so good. In fact, I was on my way in, in Miami this year. I walked back to the hotel for the arena. It was about uh, close to three miles. It was a pretty day. And I thought, what else? Three miles. I'd, I'd go in the treadmill walk three miles. So I walked back. And, and my goal was I was going to go in the sub and the uh Publix. There was a Publix next to the hotel where we stayed, and I was going to go in there and get a sub. But as I got back there, I think I told you the story, I suddenly realized I hadn't seen that side of the hotel since we had arrived, and I realized, I've been here before. There's a great barbecue joint over here. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember that, actually. <laughs> so, I, I do remember that. So I went over and had barbecue instead of a pub sub. Well, there you go. Well, you can't go wrong either way. And here's my other thing. I want to get Nick, do you have the read? Sign of the read. we got to give a shout-out to our friends at uh, Berno's. Because uh, they brought some fabulous pizza here today, but I am I am uh, I have to say this, and I don't think it, actually it's like kind of a left-handed compliment to them. We were talking about I was raised Catholic, even though I now attend the Episcopal Church, but I still like the idea of giving something up for Lent. I think it's a nice thing, and so uh, we were talking about that the other day. Nick might have been the one to say it, which is. People sometimes will like say, oh, "I'm giving something up for Lent," and it's really not any set. Like, I'm giving up skydiving for Lent. I'm not going to. I'll I'm going to no, give, give up Brussels sprouts for Lent. <laughs> exactly. I'm not, there's no barrel jumping for me. I mean, so you know. So I. But I really love pizza, so I'm giving up pizza for Lent this year. And that and make it worse if you don't eat meat on Friday during Lent. Pizza very often is a main 
Friday dish. Oh, so I'm cheese pizza, double barrel here. Cheese pizza, yeah. veggie pizza, mushroom pizza. So yeah. this, and and Paul will attest these Bernos pizzas are very oh. very tasty. I felt so. bad today because my brother in law's in town and he and his wife and Barbara and I have fixed a big breakfast. And so when I came here, I wasn't that hungry, and I thought, God, I can't not eat my pizza. <laughs> well, you got to, you got to choke a couple down, yeah, yeah. for sure. So, um, so you know, it doesn't count if you forget, right? Yeah, no, because I completely forgot it's Friday. Completely you had, forgot you had, it's Lent. You had roast beef. Had a roast beef. <laughs> I. That's exactly what I had. Yeah. A roast beef sub. I completely yeah. forgot. Yeah, so. Um, it's Texas still going to hammer the 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 a million dollars a game, fifty dollars a ticket times twenty thousand tickets. They weren't. If you went through that list that Mark Blankenbaker did the other day, they haven't scanned twenty thousand tickets ever, really. In this, going all the way back to the Glory National Championship days, they 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 they're not selling that. And the money that you're talking about when they made twenty eight million dollars, and believe me, I tip my hat to it. They were the most profitable program in the country. But it's not just from gate receipts. It's from everything. They get a share of TV money and merchandising and a whole bunch of sources of income. So it's not quite that simple. But there's no question they are hurting, you know, for yeah, no doubt. the program. Uh, no you, can, about you can get into how many dollars. We all know they're not making as much money on tickets now as they used to. That's a fair <laughs> statement, and we'll leave it at that. The Publix and Old Henry is a new concept store. So like the one in Florida that you go to, there's not another Publix like that in the country from speaking with the employees that are working there. Kentucky sets the trend again. Yeah, we are. That's our national hey, leaders. We got sports betting, we got a we got a top golf and we got a uh, and we got that. By the way, there's a there's another thing I'm eager to try. Tiger Woods is a partner on a thing the, the putting place? Yeah, called Top Stroke or something. In that right next to Top Golf is no, it open yet? No, that's a different thing. Oh. That's another mini golf concept. Okay. They're all excited because Top Golf was such a success. That one is more like a traditional miniature golf, but they the the whole the balls have an electronic chip in them, like a Top Golf, but it's got a bunch of you know things like you'd have at a traditional miniature golf course. We got to bank the ball off things and, and go through you know tunnels and stuff like that. Lots of bells and whistles, very elaborate, and it's very expensive. And for nine holes, it's like twenty dollars or something. But you're supposed to be a thing like you go to Top Golf, you get food, and you mm-hmm. play. He's got a different thing, and there's one in Orlando, and we're going to Orlando. I'm thinking maybe take a trip out there. Two 18-hole courses, they look like real golf courses. They have an area that looks like a sand trap, and there's dog legs, but it's a putting course. And I'll see if I can find a picture hmm. to show you. But it's the same deal. It's like $35, but you can play all you want. But And then in the middle between the two courses is a bunch of, uh, I guess what you'd call outdoor games like cornhole and, you know, and, and Ping pong tables. And so stuff what's like what's that. the longest? What's the longest hole on this? No, it's not course? like you know, it's not like 150 <laughs> guys taking putters and killing each other. It's just it looks like a golf course. If I get you a picture of it, you you will see it as soon as I show you the picture. I'll say, oh, I see what you mean. Like in other words, instead of having to bank it off a triangle or go through a loop de loop, he'll have a course that has a dog leg, mm-hmm. and you got to putt the ball just hard enough to get to the dog leg. So then your next shot you can get around. So there's yeah, it's like real golf part. only on a miniature level. Exactly, and it's not, and it's and uh, it, it's all green it's not like these garish miniature golf course uh, uh colors and uh i'm eager to try it. we may take a trip there i've got a i've got a here it is tiger woods mini golf it's called pop stroke there you go and here is their uh here's what it looks like there oh, that's perfect picture there you go huh right i mean pretty neat, yeah. it looks like a real golf course yeah. really it's it's pretty remarkable so uh, i have to give that a go i have to try that all right um Time let's for get picks. to our picks 
We go in alphabetical conference. Yeah, order. but I need a pen. Do you have a pen? I'm not giving you mine because every time I do, I don't get it back. That's a bunch of garbage. <laughs> Nick, you got a pen? <laughs> no, I don't want to give it to you. I never Boy. get it back. Oh. <laughs> Wow, it's ganging up on me. All right, I'm going to give you my standby pen. Okay. Well, I'm getting the backup yeah. pen. All right. There you go. Try that oh, one. I will it's, only a one, it's one of those one-color pens. Who uses those? You know what we... Oh, Big League Haircuts. That would be nice. They're one of our sponsors. All right. So the the score right now is 2118, I think, is what I said. So I'm up three. You cut the margin down a little, little, little less. We get 2118. I'm moving over to this page. I'm starting a whole new page for us. So we're going to do the Power Six conferences, right? Yeah. Okay, so I've got 21, you've got 18. We go alphabetically, which means we start in the ACC. And uh, would Who you starts? Like, you can do whatever you want. You can go first. Or you, you, you want me to give you I'll, I'll pick one for you first. Okay, go ahead. Um, Carolina at Virginia. Do the Wahoos bounce back? They're not, they're not as good as Carolina. I know they're really hard at home. I, I, I can't do that. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can... Be, be reinforced by the computer. But I just, I. Carolina has a 65% chance to win. I'll go for that. So I'll take Carolina. All right. I'm going to give you. Um, well, that would be an interesting game. Let me go see if the computer. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Can Duke get it done at Wake? Wake is really. I think they're the only unbeaten team at home, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah. So what do you think? Are they going to get it done? The computer says 55-45, Duke's favorite. Good game. Man, I've been back and forth on Wake all year. There's times I thought they were really good, and then they go out and disappoint me. But I'm going to look for the home court to hold up. I'll take the details. Wow, that's impressive. All right. Now I give you the next one, which is a big. It would be Big Ten. Actually, technically be Big East. So that's where I'm going to go. Big East. Um, I could give you Georgetown and DePaul, but I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, well, we also got Sunday games. Oh, that's a not a bad one. Uh, well, Seton Hall's probably better. St. John's hosting Creighton. Do I give you that? I think I'm going to. How about St. John's and Creighton? What do you want to do with that? The computer says 60% chance that Greg McDermott gets it done with, with the Blue Jays. Wasn't that the game that... Uh, they had a, St. John's had a good lead, and Creighton came back and beat them. I think so. Of course, that's it, every game. It was, I was going to say, that's been almost every game uh, I played. I'm going to go with Creighton. All right. Creighton on the road. Okay. And That, that is a Sunday, by the way. Yes. What are you giving me? And I'm going to go back to Saturday and give you... George <laughs> How about I give you Jordan? Nah, 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 I can't do that. Actually, Let's do Butler Seton Hall. Let's yeah. get some. Well, it, 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 yeah, I would think it'd be a more uh, up in the air game for me if it were at Butler, but it's at Seton Hall, so I'm going to take the uh, the fighting uh, Dre Davises. So okay. let's see if they can get that done. All right, we move to another big. The next big on the list is the Big Ten, and um, I give you one Saturday. That's not a bad one. Uh, let me see. That might be the one I give you. Uh, the one I'm alluding to is Indiana at Penn State. That would be an intriguing matchup. In fact, I think that's the one you'll get. Let's see what the computer says. The computer says Penn State with a 68% chance to win. Well, since Penn State killed my parlay the other night when they beat Illinois on a ridiculous play at the end of the game, mm-hmm. 
I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. All right. P-S-U for you. All right. What are you giving me? Sunday games. Let's see. Yeah, not, I, I hate to give you a middle of the road game, but I, I think this is. I know which one you're going to pick, and it's in the most. It's the most up in the air one. Yeah. You're going to give me Rutgers and Maryland. That's right? what I'm considering, yeah. but I want to wait a minute because I, you know, Michigan State's playing better. They're at home. Nebraska's pretty good this year, but Minnesota's had their moments. Yeah, that's too easy. They're at home. Not, okay, Maryland Rutgers. Yeah, that's the most up in the air one. Rutgers was really hot mm-hmm. for a while. They just got absolutely annihilated by Purdue, Purdue, Purdue in their last yeah. game. They lost at Minnesota, but their last uh, two home games they've won. And it's my father and my brother's alma mater, so as much as I love Kevin Willard, I have to go with R.U. Rock, Rock, R.U. Rock, Rock, Rutgers. There you go. I actually wrote rah rah like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we next? Big 12? Yep, excuse me, Big 12, and you're giving me the one first. Okay, I got to do the obvious one, Houston at Baylor. Wow, Baylor, tough at home. I'm going to take the the fighting uh, uh, Scott Trees. That would be an upset. The computer says Houston's a 72% chance to win, Hmm. but... uh, Baylor at home, very tough. Very tough, so I'll take that. A lot of good matchups in this league. Which will I give you? I think that would be interesting. I think I'm going to give you BYU at Kansas State. That's a toughie there. Yep. I'm going to... Peter says BYU 57%. I'm I'm going with the Wildcats to win at home. Okay, so K... Yes, you. All right, four down, two to go. We go to a P, the Pac-12, Pac-2, such as it is. Don't give me Washington, Arizona, because that's the game I've got, so pick another one. Okay. Well, actually, I give you first, sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, ooh, that would be a toughie there. Utah at Colorado. Colorado's 17-9, and nine. Utah's 16-10. and 10. That's a good one. I feel pretty good about Colorado. Yeah, they've had some moments this year in their home, and the computer likes them at 62%, so good for you. What about me? Can you give me that crosstown rivalry of the U-Clans against USC? Uh, let's see. Can Washington State keep it going? I'll, them at Arizona State. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like Washington State. I think they're good. Washington State on the road to get a win. We wrap it up in perfect timing here. We're just about out of time on the show with the SEC because it just means more. And that means that uh, I give you the first one to wrap it up. And um, I'm going to make you pick it. Uh, Alabama and UK. I would have done the same for you. What are you going to think? I'm going to say, you know, do you realize this? If Kentucky were to win this game, they would have the same record as Alabama. Overall, yeah, they'd yeah. both be 19 and 8. Yep. Um, if, if Kentucky had beat LSU, everybody would be thinking, okay, they're ready, they could beat Alabama. 
The difference is they wouldn't have nearly the SEC record. Alabama's 11-2 and in the SEC. Kentucky's just 8-5. Alabama's got a lot of non-league losses. They played a tough non-league schedule. I'm going to go with the Cats at home, though. You still, still think it's something, even though it hadn't been much this year. And then uh, you're giving me what? Um, here's a dangerous team. Okay. Georgia hosting Auburn. Um, I just want to make sure. Yeah. Uh, Auburn's hasn't played since UK, have they? I don't believe so. Yeah, they're so. all pissed off. Bruce is all pissed off. They're Bruce Bruce. Did they not play this week or was he going to February? They lost to Kentucky on the 17th and then they get they they didn't ever win. Yeah, they haven't played in a week. So I'm gonna take the Fighting Bruce Pearls. The Auburn Tigers. By the way, speaking of uh, uh, well it's not really speaking of Auburn, but speaking of Alabama, Eli Gold no longer calling the Alabama games. See that? Has he done? He did home games this past year, not right? doing anything. And also, not bitter, was very grateful, gracious, but did say it wasn't his decision. He oh, said, really? Oh, yeah. So they basically said, he said, I want to make clear it's got nothing to do with health. I'm fine. Oh. But they just uh, decided to move on to Chris Stewart, who does their basketball games. And uh, I thought that was a little crappy, to be honest That's, with you. Huh. I, I would have assumed, because Eli, I think, just did home games. Yeah, he did. And I he think did, that's and he did from... the Iron Bowl. He did the Iron Bowl okay. and home games. And, and that's goes back to his health issues he was having, I think. Yes, it but was. But now he's saying he's fine. Yeah. But Why would they make a change? Unless. I, that, I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I didn't know that. They're going to lose Chris. I, I guess he's very good. He does their basketball games. But I was surprised because he's very popular and they've been very good. Yeah. And People love Eli. Yeah. Interesting stories. The Long Island guy who made his reputation mm-hmm. in NASCAR and Southern football. Yeah. And he also <laughs> did hockey. That's a. Yeah. Do you know who Red Barber is, by the way? Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I just can't get over this. I'm like a little kid when I get a nugget of information that shocks me. He's from the deep south. I mean, he was. I think he was born in Mississippi. Well, even all those games doing Yankees games, he had that southern accent. Oh, he did. He didn't yeah. hide it, and he, he was embraced for it. But you know what his winter job was? Because he did the Do- Brooklyn Dodgers for a million years, then he did the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, you could have given me 50 guesses at this, and I never would have got it. He was the public address announcer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> I mean, doesn't that just strike wow. you as bizarro? First of all, how they would think to a contact Southern him. Frenchman? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't even know what the hockey game was. Maybe they just here, read this. Read uh, two minutes for hockey. Hooking. hooking. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So just you know, hmm. did not know that. All right, Paul's got Wake, Creighton, Penn State, Kansas State, Colorado, UK. I've got Carolina, Seton Hall, Rutgers, Baylor, Washington State, and Auburn. And, Good luck to both of us. All right. Thanks, my friend. I'll see you in Durham on Wednesday. Yes, sir. All right. And we'll be back here with another hour of our program. Stay with us here on ESPN 680 and 105.